We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events, the list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Dean here at Steen, 7904. If you want to get all technical on me, it's 3 o'clock on the East Coast, noon on the West Coast. And of course, that means it's time for the very last time for the Yahoo DFS Live presented to, show presented by Rotor Riders. Uh, we, we bring uh, the Yahoo guys over here uh, over on uh, over Rotor Riders. Of course, it's uh, Dalton Del Don, uh, you know, one of our usual suspects back here for the last time. The season's over. We made it. Yeah. I'm battling a bit of a cold myself here, trying to get uh, limp into the finish line here. But uh, yeah, week week 17, most season longs are, are over with. So let's win some money playing DFS. You're a gamer. It's week 17. A lot of guys are mailing it in, but you're, you're going to give it a go tonight. Let me try. <laughs> uh, bringing Scott Pianowski as well. Scott, uh, well, do you have any stories as far as your season long? Uh, I'm sure you have. Uh, I, hopefully you took out a couple championships. How'd that, go down? How'd that work out for you? Uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to win the um, the Mark Stopa League that I'm in with Dalton and a bunch of other RotoWire and Yahoo guys. Thank you. Um, so that went well for me. And, uh, and even though a lot of people will say I won it just because I had Todd Gurley, I want to mention that I would have won my championship game even had, had Gurley just scored zero points um, because I, I had Deion Lewis and some other guys. So um, it was the most. It was my highest priority league. It, it's the biggest payout league that I'm in. So uh, it's it's been a good Christmas. Uh, we are drinking the finest of eggnog all week in the Pianowski household. Yeah, congratulations to Scott. For those who don't know, we all fly uh, to Las Vegas in July and do this auction live. And he's being modest, but the payout's a, a decent amount of money. It's more than ten grand. And uh, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, congrats, Scott. It's a it's a really competitive league and fun. Really deep rosters. And congratulations. And no need to apologize, by the way, for having Gurley. 
great foresight by you in July. I mean, you spent what mid twenties on him. I spent a decent amount of money on him. I mean, I, my angle was that the coaching staff had to be upgraded over Fisher. What I didn't realize is that McVay would be one of the best coaches in the league. I just thought that they'd have quality coaching. They upgraded the offensive line. They upgraded the offense. So Gurley has a chance to be a good player. I mean, had I known he was going to be this good, I would have been okay. I'm going to get him no matter what, and you know, I would have made sure I got him early in the in the in the auction just so I could set the rest of my lineup. But um, you know, now I mean, he's probably I guess the number one or number two pick overall in next year's drafts. Yeah. Certainly not where you got him this year. And I didn't pay. I, I paid for him as a probably a top ten running back, but certainly not as the type of player he is now. And um, I, I just thought anybody other than Jeff Fisher was an upgrade. I knew McVay had experience with the Redskins and seemed like an up and coming guy. But I mean, had I known this, I, I would have bet everything I could on the Rams, right? I would have bet them bet. to win their division. I would have bet them to go over their win total. I didn't trust, I didn't t- touch any of those things. So um, sometimes you can be right, but be overpaid for the, the idea that you were right. I think this is a case where I certainly was overcompensated for the idea that Gurley was good play. Can you just promise me that Jeff Fisher, we're not going to ever see him again? Like, I know it's an old boys club and they keep rehashing this. Like, we're done with this, right? We well, gotta... I, I think you're right. But um, on my podcast I do with Michael Salfino, um, the Breakfast Table podcast, check that out if you like recorded audio conversations. Mike thinks that uh, – I think everybody realizes there's going to be a lot of coaches who are going to be out of work. And Mike thinks there's a good chance that Fisher will be recycled and what? running an NFL team next year. I, I disagree with him on that. But, I mean, geez uh, – Teams do a lot of dumb things. I mean, the Browns have given votes of confidence to Hugh Jackson, you know, who wins between zero and one games a year. So um, I know they have a new GM. You never really know when teams change the GM, you know, what direction they're going to go in. But um, I've had arguments with people about it, what should the Lions do. I, I don't think that Caldwell is a good coach, but I, I thought that you know, he did well enough that he'll come back. But, again, the GM has changed, so maybe they'll go in a different direction. I, I, nobody wants Jeff Fisher back. Nobody from the fantasy community. Yeah. Nobody from the analytics community. Um, I don't know. Game has passed him by. I'd like to think that people realize that you're better off. The upside of the unknown is worth it here. And what are you getting with Jeff Fisher? You're getting a guy who, you know, ha- has um, methods and techniques that seem to be dated. Yeah, the game's passed him by, as you said. So I mean, I'd rather take a chance on some. I mean, look, you, you try to find the next McVay, and maybe you might have to hit one time out of 20 on a guy like McVeigh, maybe it's one time out of 50, but I'd rather take that chance than go with the known economic bad that is Jeff Fisher. Yeah, it couldn't, it couldn't have been a worse year and a half for him. I mean, not only the, you know, the quotes on hard knocks with him talking about, you know, nine and seven, not good enough or whatever it was, <laughs> 10 and six, not, but then yeah, his cat, you know, he, he'll say that oh, I left the Rams in good shape. That's why I deserve Funny a chance. To hired. But then you can counter that simply with not only look at what golf and that offense is doing, but look at what Case Keenum is even doing. He was another yeah. quarterback under Fisher, too. So that would be – it would be a joke if they brought him back. But, I mean, I have to admit, I I, agree, I see the the path. It wouldn't be the craziest thing NFL owners have done. What I'm going to do is I'm going to actually hire Jeff Fisher to run my household for about a week, and then I'm going to fire <laughs> yeah. him. And I think that the moment I fire him, everything will just miraculously get better. So maybe that's the point. Maybe you hire Jeff Fisher and, and you know, fire him in, in June. And then have a rebirth of your organization because the after Fisher, you know, is is so powerful. Maybe that's what teams are getting at. Well, that's something I suppose. Hire him for a week or two. I, I have no issues with that. But oh, okay. So we're gonna dive into week seventeen in just a second. We do want to take peek at, a peek back as far as what went down at week sixteen. And 
we have our league where the Yahoo guys and the RG guys, we enter our, our contest every single week. We kind of keep track of it. And uh, my team didn't do so great. Dalton, you finished second. Scott, you rope-a-doped us. You baked it. Uh, you kind of roped up, roped up us all, all season long. Uh, Dalton, tell us about uh, about your team here. Yeah, uh, nice. We're on, we happen to be on this week together. Scott finished first. I finished second, which I'm surprised. I had a bunch of misses. It wasn't a great high-scoring high week, clearly. I mean, I had Sterling Shepard, Cameron Brait. Mohamed Sanu. So I'm surprised this lineup did finish second. Where I really hit it was defense with the Arizona Cardinals. They were really cheap, 24 points. And I was surprised that Deion Lewis, I think I was the only person uh, that owned him in this tournament. And at his price, his setup, uh, you know, I'm not shocked he scored nearly 30 points. So that's why I vaulted into second place, mainly because of Deion Lewis. And Scott, you're the only person I believe that rostered uh, Todd Gurley, so that didn't hurt. Yeah, it seems like a week where um... – I mean, the first thing I saw is I saw a lot of minimum price people who I liked. I thought Todd, uh, Antonio Gates at 10 bucks was just a giveaway with Hunter Henry out. Um, we, we know how Gates would get a, probably a decent market share. And I would have been happy with the touchdown or the 81 yards. He got a touchdown and 81 yards. I think he hit the high end of his range. But at $10, I mean, it, we didn't need to do much to, to get profit there. I found a defense I really liked in the Arizona Cardinals. And again, I, I, they hit the high end of the range with 24 points. They scored on defense. I mean, you never really can be sure about things like that, but I, I thought that they had an excellent chance to score in double digits. And because I was taking people like Gates, taking people like the Cardinals, uh, enabled me to pay up for Gurley, to pay up for Kenyon Drake, who actually didn't do that great, to pay up for Ezekiel Elliott, who I think did about the least amount we, you could have imagined from Elliott. But um, surprisingly, I was the only person with Gurley uh, there are just a handful of running backs every week who you know are going to touch it 25 or 30 times. We've seen how dynamic he is in the passing game. That's another thing I don't understand, right, is that the previous Jeff Fisher regime was so reluctant to use Gurley as a receiver. If, if a running back, assuming he has adequate hands, I know Adrian Peterson maybe didn't catch the ball that well. If you go back a generation, Earl Campbell was not a great pass receiver. But assuming your back can catch the ball, why would you not want to use your dynamic running back not just as a runner, but as a receiver, get him outside the tackles, get him up against those smaller defenders that he can run over. When he's getting tackled, it, it's not by the team photo. It's not by five or six guys, but it's by maybe one or two people. You can even run out of bounds and do the Franco Harris if you want. I, I mean, you know, Gurley had the ability to do this last year. The Rams didn't use it. I don't understand why teams aren't more proactive throwing the ball. Look at I mean, what's going on with Atlanta? I'll talk about this a little bit later. I mean, last year they had two dynamic pass catching backs. This year they're still on the roster and the Falcons running back production through the air has, has gone south. I, I think that's one of my rants on schedule for later. So I'm kind of breaking that here. But, uh, you know, I don't understand why every good running back, unless his hands are just stone, you know, stone hands. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you do take a page out of the Le'Veon Bell book? take a page out of the Todd Gurley book, take a page out of the David Johnson book. And I know, look, these guys are elite talents, so maybe not everybody's going to work out quite that well. But wouldn't it make sense for every team to use their their best running back as a receiver? Yeah, Dalton, I always – like, I never understood, like, why players just can't catch up. We all can catch up a ball there while we're tailgating, you know, a couple drinks in. Like, it's not – I understand that, you know, there's, like, 300-pound monsters coming at us, but – uh, that kind of changes the, the circumstance to some degree, but I don't understand how it's just some, there's some guys that play football for a living skill positions that can't catch a football. Allegedly. That's so weird to me. 
Yeah, I just knocked out my headphones, but I did make that catch. I hope you guys saw that. <laughs> no worries. That's the other thing about Fisher is that on that hard knocks, you heard him talking about no one can hit Gurley in practice. Like he was very clear about keeping him protected. So he knew he had a special player. So it's especially weird to not yeah, get him in open space. And those are just cheap yards, not just for fantasy owners, mm-hmm. but in real football. Who gets the most of those? The Patriots. They throw to their backs more than any team. It's just, it's almost like a cheat code, but it all counts the same. So Total, yeah, it's weird how underutilized Gurley went from being a uh, you know, non-factor in the passing game to being you know one of the three best in football. And, and look at, if you see the Drew Brees shirt behind me, I, I want to uh, just you know congratulate him for another quarterback 20 week. But um, <laughs> what do the Saints do so great, right? I mean, they, they made the mistake. I'll give the Saints credit. They made the mistake of bringing in Adrian Peterson. But very early in the season, they realized, look, this is the mistake. Um, we, we have a difference maker in Kamara or Kamara. I'm still not sure how you say it. Uh, obviously, Mark Ingram. They're both terrific catching the ball. And the Saints really don't have the greatest receivers right now. Michael Thomas had no K season. You know, Ginn made some splash plays here and there. Uh, Willie Sneed, I think, caught five passes all season or something like that. But I took down a couple of my MFL teams. But you know, the Saints are another team that understand that cheat code. Gleaner's not too great either. No. Yeah, ever since he cut the hair, what are the splits as far as uh, before and after the haircut? Uh, not, not very good. Uh, by the way, the, the thing I remember in Hard Knocks, I just remember Jeff Fisher uh, cutting a player for having a lady friend over. That's right. one of the things I recall. And if that was girly, I, I assume he would get a second chance. But I don't, he was trying to make a point, whatever it was. But uh, Jeff Fisher doesn't care for – he's just uh, – yeah, he's that retired was the of the mustache. That was the beginning of Fisher's demise right there, that decision. <laughs> Uh, oh, do want to mention there, I'm going to drop this link in chat, by the way, Rotor Grinders and Yahoo, there's an exclusive, uh, uh, I guess we'll call it a free roll. It's 50 cents to enter. I'm going to call it a free roll. I know it's not free, but uh, worst case scenario, if you finish dead last in this, you get a buck. So you double your money. Uh, so whatever, it's 50 cents. And uh, if you bake it, it's $1,000. Uh, as far as the number of entries, it's limited to 8,400. And uh, as of right now, there's just 308 people involved. And you know what I like about Yahoo, by the way? It says management fee on here. It lets you know as far as what the rake is. The rake in this contest uh, for the management fee, minus 135%. That's good. So enter that. Again. Yeah, take a free shot at what, what, what's the big prize again? A thousand bucks? thousand bucks. Yeah. I wish, uh, uh, you know, it's almost worth me quitting Yahoo so I can be eligible. But um, <laughs> that'd be a pay cut for Dalton, I know. But uh, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, enough stalling. Uh, let's break down Week 17, which is always uh, a, a bit tricky. And uh, you know, uh, you know, we're recording this, of course, on a Thursday afternoon. If you guys are watching this later, information is going to trickle down. And it's probably going to change some of the things we're talking about. And for me, more so than anything else this week, it's not so much about uh, uh, talent. It's not so much about matchup. It's about opportunity. It's about volume. So who's playing for? Who's actually playing for something? Is that kind of sort of the way you approach uh, Week 17, Dalton? Sure. Yeah, of course, you got to follow the and, and listen to the coach. It's nice of McVeigh to let us know that, you know, the, the starters aren't going to play. And yeah, just go from there. Obviously, the pricing could be massively different here. Suddenly, Brandon Oliver or Malcolm Brown come into play. So sure, this more than any, uh, the decisions midweek, not just injuries, but the playing time. And, you know, I try not to factor in motivation too much. If a team's out of it, you know, Detroit, they say they're going to play their starters. I believe them. I'm going to treat it like any other week. I believe Detroit, too, just because the coach is on the hot seat. And, you know, why not? Let, let's go out with a bang. And I, I think she thinks Stafford's an awesome tournament play. I think because, you know, the, their run game is terrible. I think they can kind of light up. Uh, it's the Packers, right? For getting yeah. they're playing against. But, yes, uh, I could definitely see him light up the Packers. But the, that, that's not somebody that's kind of on our list. We'll, we'll talk about a bunch of players as the show progresses. Uh, Scott, talk about well, how you're approaching week uh, 17. And also talk about uh, 
the guy you're willing to pay for, the guy you think it's worth it, because I think uh, I, I I don't know if I agree with this one. Yeah, I, I agree that um, I, I want motivated players. I want um, whether it's it's players that have something to play for or, or teams that have given their intention that they're going to try. And, the, and you have to read some tea leaves there. There are some teams that are pretty, pretty open with the media. Uh, Mike Tomlin generally is. Uh, I think Jim Caldwell is in Detroit. So I think the Lions are, are players you can trust. I'm, I'm throwing my chips on Ezekiel Elliott. Again, I'm not going to commit to anything until Sunday, but yeah. I think the, the Cowboys, they, they want to go out with a good taste in their mouth. They're, they're playing the, an Eagles team that does nothing, to, literally nothing to gain. And I think even the stuff that they may want to do positively in the final week, maybe on offense, because they played such a stinker against Oakland. But um, you know, the, uh, the Cowboys, they're good. 25 or 30 touches to Elliott are, are very bankable. He's only 30 bucks in Yahoo. Actually, I think $10 cheaper than uh, Le'Veon Bell. Not that Bell is a, is a bad play. And I may try to cram both those guys in together. But I, I think Ezekiel Elliott has one more big game to give us. We didn't get it last week, even though he did get the volume. Seattle defense played a lot better than I expected. I had a lot of shares of Elliott. Fortunately, I had Gurley everywhere. So it, it kind of turned out to be a wash. We talk, Todd Gurley was the greatest deodorant in the world because I couldn't pick badly enough on my other spots to offset the fact that Gurley was such a beast and he really wasn't heavily played at all, which surprised me. But um, I think because the projectable volume was so high with Elliott and because $30 is not a prohibitive price, I'm going to have a lot, unless I get some kind of news from the clapper. I don't know who gave him that nickname, but I love that they call Jason Garrett the clapper, but uh, I'm going to be <laughs> clapping for Ezekiel Elliott in week 17 at 30 bucks in Yahoo. Well, I mean, like, so Jerry Jones came out and they kind of asked him about it. And they said, like, what are you doing as far as week 17? Lame duck week doesn't matter. And he, he said, like, we're going to do a little bit of both. Like, we're going to play some starters and play some backups potentially. They talk about the possibility of playing Cooper Rush. Like, that just scares me. Now, more so than not, I mean, and again, I Vegas is, dictates things. And Vegas kind of knows things sometimes that aren't necessarily public knowledge sometimes. Dallas is uh, playing in Philadelphia, Scott, right? They're minus two and a half, minus three points. They're clearly not a better team than Philly. Of course, Philly has their own issue with Foles. And, like, what are they going to do with Foles? Like, there's no reason to push it necessarily. But also, Foles looked terrible last week, and they might as well get him acclimated to playing with the first stringers because, you know, when the first, you know, playoff games start mattering, they, they want him actually to be as finely tuned as possible. But Vegas is kind of telling us that, like, you know, Philly's not going to be 100% per se. I, uh, yeah, so my I guess, guess stay Philly, tuned. My guess with Philly is what they're going to do is what a lot of times what teams do in the final preseason game where – if they don't do well in the third preseason game, what teams do often is they'll play their primary guys in the fourth preseason game until they do something good and then they'll yank them. Okay. Like they'll say, okay, we need another game, another tune up. Say they have a scoring drive on the first quarter or the first quarter, or they play well in the first quarter. They'll say, great. Everybody feels good about themselves. We're, we're back on the same page. Let's get out before somebody makes a mistake or somebody uh, gets hurt. It's kind of like at the driving range, right? I, I hit a couple of two or three good shots. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away because I know if I hit one more bad one, I may have to hit a whole other bucket of balls. Nobody wants that. The, the, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles do not want to hit a bucket of balls for three hours. They want to get one or two good drives under their belt, feel good about themselves and get out. Doug Peterson, part of the Andy Reid coaching tree. Now, coaching trees doesn't mean that everybody has to think the same way, but Peterson was under Reid for such a long time. I think maybe their thoughts probably line up here. I don't think the Eagles are going to take this game seriously. And you mentioned a good point about the Cowboys. I mean, if, if I hear that Rush is going to play, if it sounds like a lot of the offensive linemen are going to play, I could easily pivot against Elliott. This, this is more than any other week. All my picks are made in pencil, and I may change everything. 
uh, when the bullets are flying in week 17. But um, I don't think the Eagles are going to take this game seriously at all for more than maybe a quarter. I just wanted to confirm, I'm double-checking, you mentioned the offensive line. I'm pretty sure Tyron Smith has actually been yeah, – uh, he's tackle. not expected to play, so that's obviously a big hit to them, the, the left tackle there. Uh, Dalton, chime in here. What are your thoughts? Also worth noting there as far as the Vegas line, not just you know Dallas being favored by but two and a half or so. The total has dropped from 43 to 39, 39 and a half. Mm-hmm. Like 10% it's dropped. Uh, they're just – maybe they're just expecting like two teams just, just don't really want to be there so much. Uh, Elliot does want to get the 1,000 yards in the season. That's something I heard him talk about. I think it, is it like 120 or so, give or take? Uh, we'll see how that works out. Maybe bust a long one. That's a, huge, that's a huge thing, by the way. You have to factor in week 17 is incentives, right? And, and how teams – remember last year how badly the Chargers wanted to get Gates that touchdown you know, where, where Rivers said, look, I'm going to throw it to him every time when we're at the goal line? I mean, again, there's, there's a trial and error with this. Some teams are just trying to mislead you. Some teams, you know, you're lucky they give you the address of the stadium. They're so secretive. <laughs> and other teams are very open. You know, they basically play with their hand open and are not coy about this type of thing. So uh, there are questions in searches, data searches that you'll look at in week 17 that would have never apply earlier in the year. I lost so much money on Gates last year chasing that touchdown to break the record. And then he comes, like, suppose he was going to retire. Then all of a sudden he comes back. And now we're at it again. Like, is he going to retire the, the, after this, uh, after this uh, week? They're talking about Larry Fitzgerald possibly retiring. Uh, what, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, Fitzgerald can still play too, man. He's he was really good, man. five receiver in PPR. I mean, um, it's up to him when he wants to walk away. I mean, Kurt Warner was still good when he retired. Obviously, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson. So it's not, it wouldn't be unprecedented for a football player to walk away. And with the game as physical as it is, I mean, I can understand if he wants to just get to a different phase in his life, but it's not for a lack of ability with Fitzgerald, obviously. He's certainly defying the rule that you can't play old guys at the end of the season. Fitzgerald's been pretty awesome pretty much throughout the entire season with like no quarterback as well, which is kind of worth noting as well. Uh, all right, Dalton, chime in here. What are your thoughts as far as Zeke? And you have a, a big spend as well at running back you want to talk about. Yeah, uh, piggyback up what you said, um, Dean, is that the, uh, the actually this whole week is a lot of very low over-unders. If you look, I would argue probably the, the, the most, the lowest over-under in totality of any week this year, I would say right now Vegas has. You can't argue with Elliott. He saw 24 carries last week in his return, seven targets. Um, I, I'm kind of, I'm buying Vegas as, as Cowboys favorites. Maybe Philly plays their starters a little bit, as P&L said, especially since they're going to have a bye anyway upcoming, but they're not going to take this game too seriously. So whether it be, the Eagles resting their defensive players or their starters will help the game script. Either way, I, I could see Elliott getting 25, 30 touches. No argument there. Speaking of volume, I went boring. I went chalk. I went Le'Veon Bell. I'm paying up for him. Um, I don't really care the price. I mean, Gurley's off the board this week. Melvin Gordon's banged up. Kareem Hunt is, is pretty untouchable as well. Who knows with Fournette? So, yeah, if you want to pay up uh, for a lot of money for a back, uh, as usual, just the, the king of volume, no Antonio Brown. So, yeah, it might be obvious, but it's 12-point favorites at home against the Browns. The Browns defend the run pretty well, but all those dump-offs. Talk about cheap points, fantasy and yards. Le'Veon Bell is just the king of it. And unfortunately, this is a week where Deion Lewis, I think, is priced up to $29. So for the first time all season, and I know he was one of Dalton's plays last week. Um, He's also one of my guys in the Sopa League. Deion Lewis has been such a profit player all year, but now we're daring. He has to have a great game at $29. I don't think you can play him at that price. 31. 31. 31? Two bucks more. So, Scott, here's this is my issue here with Bell. Uh, So, Pittsburgh's what? They got the two spot. They can move up to the one spot if the Patriots lose, right? The Patriots are playing the Jets. The the Jets are talking about playing 
God, who was the quarterback? Well, Petty, there's another quarterback that I can't remember the name. That's Hackenberg. Just, Hackenberg. Yeah, yeah. Like Hackenberg's going to play. <laughs> like, look, if, if they go in the halftime. Pittsburgh goes <laughs> in the halftime. They're up, whatever, whatever. Who cares what their score is? But New England, they play at the same time. New England's up, say, 21 nothing in the Jets. Like, mm-hmm. does, does Tomlin ease up? Does he say, you know what? There's no reason to push Bell. Uh, I, look, I'm paying $40. I want four quarters at a Pell. Uh, you're you're going to be no discount in this potential uh, thing playing down. Like, what are your thoughts on the chances of Bell just kind of, like, not playing? Well, once the Patriots clearly are beating the Jets, if that's happening. You know, it makes me nervous. I have to say, though, that teams teams are generally, and, and again, it's case by case, and it doesn't apply. One rule does not apply for everybody. But I would always be more careful with my irreplaceable players as teams are. For example, the Patriots a lot of times in games will be up by 21, 24, 30 points in the fourth quarter. And not only will Tom Brady still be playing, he'll still be passing the ball. I remember they were beating Miami the first time they played them. Obviously, Miami beat them in the rematch. Yeah. They were beating Miami by several, you know, several touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Dominican Stu, you know, is in a Dominican Sue mood. Hmm. Uh, and the Patriots are throwing passes and Brady's getting shots at his knees. And I'm thinking, why, what possible game do you have here? Tom Brady has already had a great game. You've salted it away, run the ball, play your backup quarterback and get on the bus End this game. And, and Bill Belichick, who's the smartest coach and, and such a detail oriented thinker. And I think there's a lot, if you want to coach like a guy like Bill Belichick, the devil's in the details. He's so good at so many small things. He's actually instructed his team not to not to jump for the pylon or to reach for the goal line unless it's fourth down or the, or the half ending or game ending play because he realizes how much trouble you can get in with the ball security. And it's like the only team I've ever heard that's actually coached not to do that. So Belichick knows what he's doing. But I think there's a, a certain cavalierness with uh, the risks that they expose these players to. There's been times where Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers, I Remember, I think it was last year they played the Chiefs in, a, in a, a national TV game, and they were absolutely crushing them. They were up by like 30 or 40 points, and it's like, you know, do you want Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell or Ben Roethlisberger to get hurt and have your season go into the toilet? I mean, why are the Steelers approaching it this way? But teams don't seem to be as concerned about it as I do. Um, so I, I get what you're saying. You know, the Steelers could easily look at the scoreboard. If the Patriots are running away from the Jets, I think they're 17-point favorites. And Pittsburgh, you know, no matter what the status of their game is, I mean, maybe they take the foot off the gas or they take some primary guys out. Um, I don't think I'm going to play Bell because I think there's enough of a risk of that. But I, I'm flying a little bit blind here. I, I think it's an assumption. It's a guess. It's an, it's an assumption of logical coaching, which can often be a fool's errand. But I certainly see the case that you've laid out. I think we have to at least consider it in Week 17. Uh, one more thought. Since we're here in the Patriots, like, well, like you said, that, that game against the Dolphins, they absolutely pummeled them. They didn't pull anybody. Uh, and we're talking about incentives as well. Let's combine the two. Uh, Gronk, what, $2.5 million bonus if he gets, I think it's 11 catches or like 120 yards, or if he gets announced as the uh, an all-pro, which we don't know if that's going to be after the game and maybe he's battling with Kelsey. Uh, like, you think, you think Gronk gets it? what are your thoughts i think it's a little bit too far out of reach if it was like four or five catches or or 50 or 60 yards maybe they'd go out of the way to get it to him i mean 11 catches is a lot and the thing with gronkowski is is he's actually not that heavy on the on the catches i mean he he gets a lot he's a great player and he's going to catch about 80 balls this year but it's not like he catches 100 or 120 passes a season he's not that type of player so uh, the chances are so good that he's going to be all pro anyway that i would think that new england would not I mean, obviously Gronkowski is always going to be a heavy part of the game plan, but I don't think they're going to um, skew anything towards him in in this game. That's my guess anyway. 
Yeah, I think it's any of those. If it's 11 catches or like 120, and like you know, we know his biggest game of the year, I think, is against the Jets earlier in the season. So certainly can't do it. And like you said, I think he's probably going to be all pro anyway. But just kind of a thought process as far as the England, because of course, I think if they don't have the highest team total of the week, it's New Orleans, which uh, I mean, this is a week where you can definitely, they have incentive to play for us. You can definitely both roll up, roll up with their running backs. Uh, as far as the guy that I said I'm willing to pay for, uh, well, LaShawn McCoy, getting a bit, of, a bit of a discount there. Of course, uh, Buffalo has some incentive to, to play. Uh, there are slight concerns that Miami's been better at home versus the run, and Buffalo's been weaker, uh, you know, running the ball on the road. But, uh, you know, I just think that, and he's going to catch the ball five or six times as well, probably touch it 25 to 30 times if Buffalo knows what they're doing. But, uh, again, it, everything kind of, like, is up in the air. But he's certainly in my player pool. I don't feel like I have to lock him in. Uh, but Dalton, where are you at as far as Bell? Like he's six bucks cheaper. Uh, I'm sorry, as far as uh, McCoy, he's six bucks cheaper than Bell. Uh, you know, if you can't get there, this seems like a, a reasonable substitute. Yeah, so I get all your concerns about Bell, and it's uh, Pittsburgh. When's the last time the Killer Bees have all been healthy in, for a playoff run? And Brown's already hurt, so I understand that. Maybe we'll see some Stephen Ridley in the second half, but in that setup and the way they utilize Bell, I could see him racking up 22 touches at halftime. But um, but speaking of volume, I mean, sure, McCoy. It's a, it's a decent matchup. I mean, he has crazy home road splits, but I, I mean, that would, I guess, have me a little bit concerned, but uh, uh, with so fewer uh, top options this week uh, at that price and, and projected to get 22 to 25 touches, I'm fine with it. They're, they're what, three-point favorites on the road, so it uh, makes sense to me. Yeah, like Todd Gurley is not going to play. We'll talk about potentially a cheapie there that emerges. Melvin, Melvin Gordon, as of right now, we don't know. We shall see. Uh, I think Drake on the other side is really interesting there. Yeah, I was going to say Drake versus McCoy is a really interesting one for me. What are your thoughts on that, Scott? Is it funny that the Dolphins got to Drake completely by accident? I mean, Ajayi was their starter. <laughs> and then when they moved on from Ajayi, it was Williams and Drake were going to share the ball and, and there wasn't going to be a number one. And then and I get it. I mean, Drake was not a primary use back at Alabama, and there were questions about, you know, how much could he play in the passing game, how much durability could he handle. But it's a little bit misleading when you have a talent factory like Alabama where they have – I mean, just think of all the running backs and, and the skill players who have overlapped on that team. I mean, they kind of cannibalize each other after a while. I don't, I don't mean that literally, but, um, you know, they, they take away touches from each other. But uh, Drake's been really good to me. He didn't have a great game last week at Kansas City, but – you know, when you go on the road as an 11-point underdog, I could see how they can get squirrely. I actually think Miami has a good chance to win this game. Uh, I, I think Buffalo uh, maybe shouldn't be – I think the fact that Buffalo needs a game and Miami doesn't has been maybe unfairly taxed into this line. And from an ATS standpoint, I think Miami's a good play. And and so I'm also on the, on the Kenyon Drake bandwagon, which, you know, there's not a lot of seats left. I may be standing on that bandwagon. I may be holding it up, up a, to a pole in the back somewhere, but um, – uh, we're going to a good place. Kenyon Drake, um, other than last week, has been a really bankable play. Uh, Eddie Lacy, uh, Alabama alum. I know he likes to eat, but I don't think he ever resorts to cannibalism. So, uh, but yeah, we don't, we don't want to make any we don't want to make any accusations here. But as far as players, Eddie that we're Lacy. Willing... Oh man. <laughs> uh, as far as I, I, yeah, who am I uh, to say this? But uh, so, uh, as far as uh, hard pass, Scott, who are we uh, not playing this week? Yeah, you know, Michael Crabtree um, caught two touchdowns in week 15, and, and touchdowns are always the ultimate fantasy deodorant. But he also had, I looked up on Pro Football Reference, which is such a wonderful site. Uh, they have targets going back to 1992, and Crabtree had 17 Great. targets in 2015. I'm sorry, in week 15. If you look up every 17 target and more game in the history of the target era, which goes back to 92, 
Crabtree had the worst game as far as yardage. I believe it was 37 yards. Nobody's ever hmm. done that bad before on that many targets. So I thought he was an obvious fade in week 16. And what does he do? I mean, he, I guess he got a little dinged up. So you have to check his status for this week, but 0.0, he went blue Tarski on us. He didn't have a catch. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he just basically was negated completely. And, and, you know, that speaks to this Raiders offense. Offensive line hasn't played well. Derek Carr. I mean, he was an MVP candidate a year ago. Peter King, I think voted Derek Carr for MVP. You should be put on suspension for stuff like that. That is ludicrous. Derek Carr is an average player. I don't know what's wrong with Amari Cooper because I still think he's a talented guy. I know he kind of had a fluky touchdown on Monday. I I don't have a good explanation for him, but I think Crabtree has been overrated all year. He he missed some time this year, so to say he's receiver 27 on the year is a little bit misleading because he hasn't played the full season. But I heard some pundits taking credit for their Crabtree hit. I mean, his ADP was in the top 20. He didn't didn't finish in the top 25, and he gave you a a bagel in week 16 (laughs) – which is the championship week for standard fantasy. I, Michael Crabtree, I'm just going to rage against this guy. You, know, you talk about doing things out of emotional spite. This is what I'm doing out of emotional spite. I'm telling Michael Crabtree and the Raiders and Amari Cooper and Jared Cook and Fred Bolitnikoff and you know anybody else who's played for this team, Marcus Allen, Al Davis, uh, you know Sebastian Janikowski on IR. I don't want you to play any of these guys. They're going to be the first NFL team to score negative points in a game. It's going to be Chargers 38, Raiders negative three. Book it. Well, I guess they won't cover. Well, yeah, as far as the total, that's going to affect things. And what did Seabass <laughs> do to you, man? Don't blame Seabass. He's perfectly fine. But... Well, you can't trust anybody whose last name ends with O-W-S-K-I. I, mean, I, I, I can tell you that's true. <laughs> yeah, so Dalton, give your thoughts. on. I mean, Oakland's been like the probably, I don't know, the most disappointing team in the season. Is that fair to say going in it? I, you know, I, off the top of my head. Uh, give your thoughts on that, Dalton, and give us the player you're not willing to play this week. Yeah, it's crazy that people are so shocked at Derek Carr's mediocrity. I mean, he had 7.0 YPA last year and the year before that. So um, I was always a little uh, surprised people project him to be a star. But yeah, I agree with, with P&L. Uh, Crabtree's got a banged up, messed up hammy. The Chargers have good quarterbacks. I don't want any part of that whatsoever. Cooper is probably going to play. Uh, my, my hard pass, maybe it's a bit of a cheat, you guys tell me, but I mean, Kareem Hunt, I just don't really want to touch any part of that Kansas City offense because not only is a playing time questionable, but also uh, Denver's defense, for all their faults this year, they played pretty good defense. So maybe not as elite, obviously, as their Super Bowl teams, but it's still a tough, tough venue to play in. A really good run defense specifically, too. Their rushing defense has been outstanding. Yep. Twitter is telling me that I have to play Patrick Mahomes, though. He's going to be a quarterbacking there for Alex Smith. And uh, Yahoo, I always talk about their sharp pricing. I figured maybe I figured it'd be 20 bucks. He's 25. Huh. Uh, Scott, uh, you know, are we interested in Mahomes? I, I know he was a preseason darling, uh, certainly an athletic guy, uh, you know, played baseball as well, multi-sport athlete, uh, you know, got some legs as well. Uh, I don't know who he's going to be throwing the ball to. Stay tuned. <laughs> I don't know how efficient this offense is going to be. That, that's, that's the well, concern. Well, that's the here, whole right? point, right? Is if he was stepping into an offense that had uh, Kareem Hunt, that had uh, Tyreek Hill, that had Travis Kelsey, then maybe you can tell yourself the story. And also, if he were $20, the, the quarterback minimum, and uh, another shout out to Michael Lazarus, who does our Yahoo pricing, a really uh, great guy, a great fantasy player. And I think presents a very challenging game week in, week out. So great season for Laz. But I'm not paying with, with Mahomes not being the minimum and with us not knowing Kansas City's incentive or who's going to be on the field. You know, the great thing about Alex Smith, if, if there is a great thing about Alex Smith, is that, you know, he can throw a pass just a few yards and, and Hill can make a guy miss and go be in the end zone. You know, Travis Kelsey's open even when he's not open. 
And they finally unlocked Hunt after a long siesta. He's been a terrific player over the last month or so. Probably was on a lot of, a lot of regular fantasy championship teams. We don't know that Mahomes is going to be playing with any of these guys for any length of time. We don't know the motivation or the incentive of the team. Uh, Denver, a very snarling, hard-hitting defense. It just may make sense for Andy Reid to get key components out of harm's way pretty early in this game. So I'm not even sure I would have played Mahomes at 20. At 25, he might as well not even be on my board. Yeah, Jameis Jameis Winston's just $1 more expensive. So, I mean, at home in the highest over-under of the week against the Saints, to me, that's a slam dunk to use Winston over Mahomes. And Mahomes, so, but by Winston, I think I forget where I saw the stat. Maybe you had it, Dalton, but I believe uh, Winston is the first quarterback to lose back-to-back games when his rating was over 130, which oh, wow. I think that's never happened before. I, I apologize where I saw this on Twitter. It was a great stat, and uh, I would reference the person if I knew who it was. But uh, Jameis Winston is finally starting to play well again. Maybe that shoulder's healing up because we know he was playing hurt for most of the year, and he's got some good things going again with, with Mike Evans. Uh, Godwin was a was a really nice player last week, so. I think the Buccaneers are going to fight back in that Saints game. I'm not convinced they'll win the game, but I think Tampa Bay will. This is probably a game where they'll probably throw 40 passes too. I know that can be kind of a misleading thing to go down the, oh, they're going to lose, but throw the ball uh, avenue. Sometimes that can, that can end up getting you in trouble. I think this is one week with, with Winston. It actually makes a lot of sense. They're, what, seven-point dogs as of right now. The Saints actually have an incentive. If they, if they want to win this game, so they can host a, a wild-card game. Oh, yeah. Mike Evans was talking about uh, – Again, the elusive thousand yards, which I don't know if that's still a thing, but I guess, you know, it's people like those round numbers. And I think mm-hmm. he's, what, 50 or 60 year way or something like that. So he, he says he's excited to play the game. So he seems motivated, whatever that's worth. Uh, you know, uh, as far as what I, I think, uh, Jaguars, I don't want to play the Jaguars. Uh, I think Doug Barone's a liar. He's summoning his inner Henry Rollins. I don't believe him. It just doesn't make any sense. There's no reason. Dalton, like, why in the world would the Jaguars push, like, especially Fournette? Like, he seems to be the most fragile. Uh, I suppose when you can throw a dart at one of the receivers, I guess it's possible. Uh, but uh, they're, they're dogs here in Tennessee with three-point dogs. And is that? Let me just go ahead and confirm. Yeah. This because, yes. Mm-hmm. So Vegas, you know, general rule, it's like a, you get three points for the home team. So you, you're going to tell me that Tennessee and Jacksonville are the same team? No way. Right. No, not even close. Obviously, Jacksonville's better, so Vegas isn't buying the talk, at least for, for four full quarters, that's for sure. So I'm with you. I would sit the Jacksonville guys – Tennessee's defense obviously got gashed by, by Gurley, but they actually aren't that terrible against the run at least. So I'm with you. It makes no sense, not only from like say a rest or a health standpoint, but even just like strategically, doesn't it make, doesn't it help them to lose this game? I mean, wouldn't you far rather the Titans (laughs) in the playoffs than the chargers? Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. They're locked into the three spot. And if they lose, they play Tennessee in the first round. And like Scott, that's, that's what you do, right? You lose. Right. I mean, yeah, and, and they played both Tennessee and the Chargers. They had that overtime game with the Chargers, one of the classic Charger losses <laughs> that probably the Chargers should have won. So, look, it's new to Jacksonville. They're not used to being in the playoffs. So it, it's it's not like this is uh, territory that they've been over before. But you would think that they could come to the conclusion that Tennessee, not good. Chargers, good. Let's play the weaker opponent next week. Let's get healthy. No reason to risk Fournette. No reason to, to risk uh, anybody who got banged up the last couple of weeks. Uh, no reason to, to risk those guys. So uh, I, I trust Vegas in this instance. I think Jacksonville is going to put out a skeleton crew, treat it like a preseason game, and then and they know they're they're going to be playing next week. Unless New England, I think I think Pittsburgh, if they were to lose, maybe Jacksonville could move up. But that's not going to happen with the Browns. So uh, Jacksonville should, would be wise to look to Week 18 and to secure a weaker opponent if possible. 
And uh, Tennessee's talking about playing DeMarco Murray, which again, what what do they have to do? <laughs> How much do they hate Derrick Henry, unleash him? And like, again, I don't want to pick on Jacksonville's defense, but I don't think it's going to be the real defense. And, and name brand in Jersey, sure. But I just can't envision that them not sitting a bunch of players. Uh, Derrick Henry, Scott, is 21 bucks. If this, if this backfield is heads, that's a great play. You think so? I, I guess part of why Murray still plays a lot is he's a much better pass blocker than Henry, but still um, Henry's just been the, the, the better running back. And it just seems like the offense can do more when he's on the field, even if they have to, you know, handle the fact that he, he's not as reliable and blitz pickup as Murray is, but this team, I think everybody sees that this Titans team is a team that's been miscoached all year. And mm-hmm. I know Mariota has been hurt and there's questions to how much you can actually use his mobility and that changes their offense. But this is a team that went out, they drafted a, a receiver in the top five and they, they made it went out and got a, a receiver in, in, um, in the guy from the Jets. So I, I can't, Eric Decker, they got him. Uh, it seemed like an offense on the rise. It was a very trendy team in the summer. And I'll admit, I, I didn't have tons of Mariota, but I believed in the Mariota story. And I, I think in a lot of cases, people just liked them more than I did. And I, I probably got lucky in that case because I thought this was going to be a 10 or 11 win team. And now it's a, it's a team I don't want to watch anymore. I actually, I, I hope they lose just so that I don't, I want to see the best teams in the playoffs. I mean, wouldn't it yeah. be cool if, if we could just pick like a random wild card team or two, like for example, the 49ers, right? They're not one of the six best teams in the NFC right now. I believe it. I, I believe in Foster. I believe in Garoppolo. You know, um, I, I can see Dalton's on the, on the bandwagon wearing the 49ers, which he's rooting for them his whole life. But I'm going to say he's on the bandwagon anyway. But uh, I don't want, I don't want to watch Tennessee Titans anymore. I, I hope they lose somehow this week. I hope the Jaguars try to give them the game and I hope the Titans give it right back to them. Yeah, this, this game actually features the number one fantasy wide receiver for weeks 15 and 16. Can you guys name that person? Yeah, it's Keelan Cole. There you go. Yeah, yeah. number one. How crazy is that? Um, well, he was on yeah. my Stopa League team. He's, he's, he does what's like to win championships. There you go. He's carrying you there. Uh, well, he and Gurley, not a bad combo. Um, yeah, I like uh, Derrick Henry. It seems like 21 bucks like a must start here, right? Because uh, Murray with third degree MCL sprain or something, I, I can't buy him being effective whatsoever. And Jacksonville – Awesome defense, but their one area that they're a little bit susceptible is against the run, and they might be playing backups for the second half. So Henry almost seems too obvious, right? I mean, Henry is looking – if he's looking at 20 touches, how do you not treat him as a top 10, you know, running back this week? Uh, hit me with a hot take there, Dalton. Oh, what was my hot take? My hot take also, another guy who's quietly been really productive over the, in the fantasy, you know, at the end 15-16, is C.J. Anderson. Uh, 158 rushing yards followed by – not only 88 yards in the score last week, but nine targets. Uh, we talked about this game sets up. Denver, great defense. They're, they're going to hide the quarterback more than ever this week. Uh, Kansas City, you know, not starting their starters. So Denver should have the ball a lot, dominate time of possession. Um, they're favorites. I like Anderson to, uh, to, to continue his hot streak here and finish the year on, 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 with a big, big game. Yeah, thoughts on that, Scott. They're certainly running him into the ground, Anderson, of late. And I guess there's no, I suppose they're going to keep doing that, just kind of play up the string. Uh, not giving Booker as much stuff as I thought they would, but uh, give us your thoughts on that situation and tell us your hot take. I can see it. I'm nervous what this offense will do with Paxton Lynch. Um, not that Simeon or, or Osweiler have generally been guys we can trust. I mean, they've occasionally had nice games. Uh, Simeon got off to a good start this season. Osweiler had that surprise relief game against the Colts where he played well, but I find it hard to trust a running back. if I don't trust the quarterback and because I just don't trust Lynch. Uh, Anderson makes me a little bit nervous. I see the pro case. I mean, it, it's reasonable and Anderson is playing well right now. And, and also you know, another case of the Broncos, you know, Vegas believes that the Broncos will take the game seriously and that the chiefs won't. 
Denver's a favorite. So uh, we're always looking for volume that's uh, reasonably priced. So I see the pro case for Anderson, even though I don't think I'm going to be in on it. Um, I, I made this argument earlier, and I know I've made it earlier uh, in this program in different weeks, but Steve Sarkeesian came to a team, uh, offensive coordinator, came to a team that went to the Super Bowl last year and, and came, basically returned its entire offense, its main skill guys, and looked at a bunch of plays that were successful and said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm Steve Sarkeesian. I got to put my own stamp on this offense. The Falcons last year were second in receiving yards from their running backs. They have the same running backs on the team this year. They're 25th in running back receiving yards because Steve Sarkeesian would rather put his own stamp on a bad offense than to ride shotgun with an established offense. If I were Matt Ryan, if I were Devonta Freeman, if I were Tevin Coleman, if I were the, anybody else on this coaching staff, I'd say, why the hell are we not doing things that were successful last year? We have dynamic guys who can catch the ball. Why are we not doing it? It's driven me crazy. I hope that they fire. I, mean, I have nothing against Sarkeesian personally. I know he's battled some personal demons in his life, and I, I hope he figures out you know, how to be the best man he can be, and maybe he'll be a successful coach again somewhere. But he should not be coaching the Atlanta Falcons next year uh, um, as their offensive coordinator because he's taken a team, he's taken a car that, that hummed along smoothly and he's retooling it in a way that has turned this into a very ordinary offense. That said, uh, Scott, uh, this week, uh, if that's what we care about, is this week as far as DFS. Mm -hmm. And they win and they're in. You think Sarkeesian's going to say, wait a second, Julio Jones, he's pretty good. Let's get him the ball like 20 times. He's 35 bucks, uh, you know, which is perfectly fine as far as the asking price. The matchup's perfectly fine. Uh, I, I think he's the, the premium receiver this week. And like, I know he didn't play, he didn't practice uh, Wednesday. He's been, you know, on and off practice all season long, maintenance days, uh, yada, yada, yada. There's actually, you know, up until the, you know, basically last week they're talking about how he get a finger issue and he went out there and balled. Uh, Julio at 35, Scott, he's our top receiver, right? He doesn't score touchdowns though. I mean, his entire career, he's got three this year. He's generally a six or seven guy. I mean, he's, He's basically, and, and look, I, I would put Andre Johnson in the Hall of Fame too, but he's basically Andre Johnson where he's got every shot in the bag, but you know, doesn't score touchdowns. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if it's because Matt Ryan can't make certain throws in congested areas. I, I don't know if it's something about Julio, but when something has happened for this long, when something has been a problem and a very predictable problem for this long, I, I just can't. I know a lot of people say, well, you just bet on the volume. You bet on the touches and just hope that he falls in the end zone sometimes. Variance. You know, I, I'm not going to pay $35 for Julio Jones. If I were going to play somebody in this Falcons offense, I know he has a fumbling at the goal line problem, but Devonta Freeman would be the guy that I would go to first. Uh, Hopkins ruled out. Uh, Antonio Brown ruled out. Uh, Michael Thomas ding last week. Uh, Julio's the next guy. Julio or Keenan Allen? Who do you prefer? Uh, Keenan Allen's $1 cheaper. Of course, Allen, they haven't sent him as well. Unquestionably, Allen. Against that Oakland secondary, yes, all day. Dalton? Yeah, I have Allen number one on my wide receiver board this week. All right. I guess I'm in the minority. I like them both. I mean, I, like, sure. I think they're both very playable, but uh, I think I would take Julio first. Maybe hey, speaking, speaking of Sarkeesian and, and ex-Falcons uh, offensive coordinators, uh, if the Patriots call up the 49ers and offer Belichick and Brady for Shanahan and Garoppolo, <laughs> what do the Niners say? <laughs> Scott, you're, you're, you're the Patriots guy. Look, Jimmy Garoppolo's great. <laughs> Seven Super Bowl trips, five Super Bowl wins. I mean, well, I'm not saying Garoppolo the six and zero. I mean, you know, you know what? I, 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 I'm all in on Jimmy G. Okay, when I saw that video of him two weeks ago beating the Titans, where right. 
a lot of guys on the sidelines can just say, hey, you know, uh, wrap guys on the shoulders and say ins inspirational things. Garoppolo was coaching the players, was talking about different defenses they were going to see, different leverages they were going to see, plays that would be successful. I mean, this guy looked like somebody who had been in the NFL for 15 years. I, that, that to me gets me. And also the way he throws off platform, the way he can be without his feet set and just make that little flick throw that Aaron Rodgers and only a handful of guys can make. That's what makes me excited about Garoppolo. And um, I think he was going to be successful anywhere. A lot of people want to give that credit to Brady or to Belichick and it, it couldn't hurt to be around successful people. He's such a smart guy, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be a success anywhere he went, even Cleveland. You, uh, you talk about uh, players coaching up and, you know, rah-rah on the sidelines. Did you see Osweiler last week? Nobody was budging. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was so sad. Audience of zero. <laughs> Nobody cared. It's like a... <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> uh, as far as my – well, I mean, I like I like T.Y. Hilton this week. T.Y. Hilton, uh, Houston has allowed the, the most 40-plus yard passes uh, in the entire season of any team. That's a rebar stat. Shout out to him. He needs 48 yards to get crack at the elusive thousand yards, which I think is something. And of course, mm -hmm. earlier in the year and throughout his entire career, Smizzle uh, uh, in the Twitter machine actually pointed this out. He's just crushed Houston earlier in the year. Five catches, 175 yards, two touchdowns. He's in the dome. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a smash spot here for T.Y. Hilton at $23. He's one of my favorite receivers this week, especially when I understand they're not playing it for anything, but. I mean, it's probably the Pagano. He's done, right? Maybe give Pagano a nice little swan song. I, I assume he's on the way out. We'll see what happens on a, what is it, Black Monday, whatever, when all the, uh, the, the coaches get fired. But uh, I think I think Hilton is lined up for a big day. Uh, Dalton, give me your thoughts on that and then fire up your, your $10 baller. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton I, I love as well as a wide receiver one this week. Love the setup. I expect him to finish strong. I'm 12 targets last week. Uh, really like the setup there. Uh, George Kittle for me. It's 11 bucks. Uh, his snaps have risen uh, recently. Really great college measurables. Hit pay dirt last week. I think he has like 16 red zone targets, even though he's played banged up some of the year. And now he has, a, as, as Scott has uh, mentioned, you know, a stud quarterback throwing to him. So at that price, um, I like Kittle. If he emerges as that team's number one option, uh, he's not going to be this cheap next year. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I mean, and it takes a while to learn that position more than arguably any other tight end. So love him moving forward. He remains cheap. Hit Pater last week, so give me Kittle. Yeah, Scott, give me your thoughts there, and just your thoughts overall as far as tight end. If you have an option away, but Gates is down nineteen bucks. Doyle, twenty dollars. Uh, you know, Gronk we mentioned before is thirty dollars. Of course, if you get the salary by all means, he's interesting. Kelsey, don't think he's going to play or play much at all. Ertz, I can't imagine he plays much either. So, like tight end is really really thin. And then give us your ten dollar baller. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would have gone right back to Gates if the price were reasonable, but I think he's nineteen bucks. I think Kittle makes sense. And remember, too, that Garoppolo was actually clicking with Selleck, too, earlier this month. So he, he knows how to get those tight ends involved. And there's a there's a relevance window for Selleck when he was healthier, yeah. uh, caught touchdowns in a couple of games. So I, I think uh, Dalton's on the right track there with Kittle. I'm taking another young player who's had his opportunity and his touches increase and snaps increase in recent weeks. The last three weeks, Wayne Gallman has 19 touches, 14 touches, and 16 touches. What I really like here is they've involved him in the passing game. He was not a very active receiver, but he's got 12, uh, 19 catches in his last three weeks, at least 40 yards through the air in those games. So uh, the, the dump off to Gallman is alive and well, and, and he's now the primary back on this offense. Uh, Darkwood has been kind of pushed out of the way. The offense at least has shown some signs of life. I mean, it didn't play that great last week, but they, they played really well against Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I think maybe they didn't get scoring position. Wayne Gallman, we always want, a running back who's cheap, 
but we feel like has a really nice floor for touches. You're only going to pay $14 for Gallman. I think 15 to 20 touches is in a reasonable range of outcomes for him. And, and a lot of that is going to be through the air. So Wayne Gallman will be a staple on my DFS rosters this week. So my guy is an if then a dollar cheaper than Wayne Gallman is Brandon Oliver. It's all predicated basically on the health of a, a, a Melvin Gordon, who's uh, you know, they, they're probably going to shoot him up before the game. We'll see how that goes down. I would imagine, of course, uh, LA certainly needs the victory to move forward and some help as well. Austin Eckler has been wearing a cast. So Oliver will be the guy. And he's a guy that's done it before several years ago. He could be a three down back. He's capable of catching the ball. He's capable of touching the ball 20 times. The matchup's perfectly fine. So uh, for whatever reason, Gordon isn't going again right now. He's, he's very, very questionable. And Eckler, uh, he was playing with a cast. He really can't play. It seems like uh, Oliver will be the guy. So I think he's certainly interesting for 13 bucks. A kind of a steal. Uh, keep your eye on, I suppose, on uh, Malcolm Brown, $10 for the, mm-hmm. for the Rams. But uh, how efficient is that offense going to be with Sean Mannion running it and some of their own linemen sitting as well? But it is a $10 running back. It's probably going to touch the ball 15 times or so. Uh, we do have to step aside and get out of here. It's been, a, it's been a blast. I enjoyed uh, you know this conversation every single Thursday throughout the season. I'm going to drop that link one more time in chat as far as um, the, the free roll. I'm calling it a free roll. It costs 50 cents to get in. For the Yahoo contest, they're sponsored by Rotor Grinders. You can't, uh, you, you'll get at least a dollar back. So there you go. It's not a free roll, but it is kind of sort of somewhat. And for whatever reason you're watching this on delay, uh, you're watching this on YouTube or something like that, go to rotorgrinders.com and you can find yourself the link. And I imagine it's probably somewhere posted on Yahoo as well. Uh, all right, Scott and Dalton, it's been a good year. Tell the people where they can find you on the interwebs and uh, summarize the year for us too. Why not? Sure, why not? Dalton, you go first. Yeah, follow me on at Dalton Del Don. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun talking DFS with you all year long. And uh, good luck to everyone in week 17. Scott? Yeah, Scott Pianowski. Yeah, Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I think this is a season of attrition. So many major players getting hurt. So if you survived uh, into week 16 in your regular finals, or if you survived into, into week 17 in any of your DFS contests, I salute you. Stay the course. Process over results. Go get in that free roll, 50 cents. Be the best 50 cents to spend all year. Started off with a nice crisp $1,000 from Roto Grinders and Yahoo. Thank you for playing Yahoo Fantasy Football in 2017. Bink it. Uh, for Dalton and for Scott, I'm Dean. Thanks for watching. Enjoy your football. We're out of here. Holla. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.